Welcome back to Spinter Wonderland. The last one of the season. Welcome to Spin It. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spinter Wonderland. It's our last episode of the holiday season because, you know, it's it's December 24th, Christmas Eve, as they say. So you may be wondering what album is going to be talked about on Christmas Eve. And the thing is... The answer? None. <laughs> yeah, none of them. We decided for Christmas Eve we were going to take it easy on you and do some of our favorite songs that come from Christmas movies or holiday movies just in general. So we've picked out six each for a total of 12 spins of Christmas. On the first spin of Christmas, my podcast gave to me. We're not <laughs> we're not going to sing that every time. I am. Is that was that not the plan? Oh. That wasn't quite the plan, no. Okay. The memo department must have accidentally sent out the wrong memo. Yeah, you know them always out of whack. <laughs> But yeah, I'm really excited. I'm a huge pop culture movie guy. So any opportunity to talk about movies and songs in movies is an opportunity I will take. I'm excited to hear some of your picks. You know, some of the songs I picked are deeper cuts or songs I preferred the movie for than necessarily the song. But I wanted to talk about it. So I picked a song from it. Right. I didn't really follow the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we should clarify. We did lay down some ground rules that I guess don't matter too much. We're not holding hard and fast to them. But our general idea was the song has to be predominantly featured in a movie or Christmas special, and it has to be known for being in that. You know, it can't just be a part of the soundtrack. It has to be a notable moment in the movie. Correct. So that's kind of how we started picking our songs. And And ideally, they were supposed to be our top picks for the best Christmas songs in Christmas movies, but I kind of ignored that rule, as you will see. I've got some deep, deep cuts here. Yeah, okay, so you're you're invalidating the entire thing right away. Yeah, pretty much. Listen, I, I trusted you to follow the rules, so the audience will get a nice dose of Christmas classics that are popular and then some Christmas deep cuts. Either something that you haven't seen since your childhood or maybe not seen at all. Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> Stay tuned. Get your milk and cookies ready. Light the tree. Deck your halls. Tinsel the tinsel. What do you, I mean, tinsel just sits there. You just look Did at it. Did you say tinsel the tinsel? What's yeah. Wrong with you. I just, what do you do to it? You hang it? <laughs> I guess. No, every, hey, everybody, tinsel your tinsel, all right? Yeah, get ready. But first, it's time for the mixtaper to come out and give a little special announcement. Oh, yeah, we didn't, is there factor spin? Because we don't really have one album or one artist to talk about. Well, let's just bring him on out here. He's got something he wants to say. Oh, okay. This is interesting. Come on in, mixtaper, for not factor spin this week. What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Nemes. No, okay, wait. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you too, bud. I've had a my my mixtaper heart grew like ten sizes or whatever th- this <laughs> or Christmas. whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, what, why? What happened? Are you not evil anymore? I'm got my master's in evil or PhD in evil. I don't know what I have. I went to school for evil. Check the canon. It's in there somewhere. You're right. It's in there somewhere. I usually pride myself on the bah humbug spirit of Christmas. I root for the Grinch every year when I watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas. One of these years, I hope he's gonna win. Well, in a certain sense, he does win. Like his heart grows. No, he goes soft in the end. He can't follow through. He's so close to letting that slide go and all the decorations and toys just going over the mountainside and can't follow through. He chickens out. Every year, I hope he changes his mind. He's yet to do it. You think the moral of the story is the Grinch chickens out? Yeah, he's corrupted by the Who's. 
But this year, something happened. Last night, I was visited by three spooky ghosts. Oh, were you? Yeah, and, you know, they showed me my past, present, and future. Not in that order. Not in that order? No, no. They got a little confused. They mixed up their times. They double-booked themselves. Oh, yeah. Really, it was a logistical nightmare. Right. They were over in England, and the time change really got to them, I bet. (laughs) Yeah. But either way, I saw all three of those time periods, and it made me realize I'm sick and tired of getting cold for Christmas. Oh, yeah, because you're... You're constantly on the naughty list, I bet, from all the lying and evil that you do. Yeah, Santa doesn't appreciate what I contribute to the world and to this podcast with my mischievous lies and spins. And so every year I get put on the naughty list. Yeah, that is sad. And I'm tired of it. But think of all the good cold that you've got to burn and keep yourself warm. Oh yeah, no, trust me. It comes in great, especially when it gets cold. I put that cold to use. <laughs> yeah, does Connor have a fireplace? No, but I cut a hole in his wall and use it as a fireplace. <laughs> you light fires in Connor's wall? Uh. Uh, yeah, don't tell him about that. He doesn't really know. I cover it up with a trunk. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's evil. Yeah. Listen, he doesn't complain about how nice and toasty it is. I'm doing him a favor. Yeah, little does he know. But anyway, the spirits kind of showed me the error of my ways. I can't be naughty year round. Leading up to Christmas, I have to be nice. Santa's a procrastinator. He doesn't check his list twice, you know, like at decent times. He waits till the last moment to check that list. And so he's only going to see the most recent deeds I've done. He doesn't have time to go back and do a full year report. It's too close to Christmas. No, you're right. So he's going to see all those good deeds I did leading up to Christmas, and he's just going to slap me on that nice list, and I'm going to finally get a present. That's my goal. Wow. Okay. I'm rooting for you. I'm trying to pull one over on Santa. Pull pull one over on... No, you shouldn't frame it like that, because that sounds like a naughty list thing. I mean, Merry Christmas and all that. Wow. Okay. (laughs) You're choking on the words. You can't even say it. (laughs) Anyway, so I can't do factor spend this week because I wouldn't be able to lie and where's the fun in that? Yeah, they'd all be facts and you'd have to tell me they were true. Well, that is very nice of you and I hope you have a Merry Christmas and get whatever you ask of Santa. I have to ask, what is the top item on your Christmas list? Like if you only were to get one present, what would you want? An iPod shuffle. An iPod shuffle? (laughs) How old are you? What year are you living in? Do you know? They haven't made those forever. I know. That's why it'd be cool to get one. Imagine walking around with an iPod shuffle now. It's retro. It's hip. Oh. It's it's like people who have Ataris. They're cool. Kind of. That and I never got one as a little boy mixtaper. Oh, as a, no. As a young lad mixtaper, I was always on the naughty list then, too. I got nothing for Christmas. I always wanted that iPod shuffle. Well, I wish you luck. I hope Santa reads your letter, gets you what you want, and uh, I hope you have a, a good Christmas. I'm off to kiss puppies and, I don't know, whatever else you good people do all year long i've never kissed a puppy in my life okay but goodbye mixtaper have a merry christmas and a happy new year well we'll see you on new year either way you get the idea so no factor spin yeah i know those ghosts i think really gave him some mixed messaging i don't think they really explained it to him well or at least he interpreted it wrong no i think Um, he did he said that all he saw was coal which just means he's only doing this out of self-interest you know I, i i don't know holiday spirits aren't what they used to be guess not and they were really annoying because again you know we're roommates they woke me up did they man i didn't realize (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't i didn't get any sleep it was almost like i was on that adventure with them well yeah they're covered in chains and stuff rattling all around i mean the the one's covered in chains one's this bright you know light this other one just filled the apartment with food and yeah you can't sleep through that and then the other one brought a smoke machine or something because there was there's fog everywhere just woke up coughing in the middle of the night (laughs) yeah thought maybe there was a secret fireplace i didn't know about or something and they left it lit yeah no no secret i <laughs> i no comment i have no comment because i don't want to lie on christmas either uh should we get into the 12 spins of christmas 
We should jump right on into the 12 spins of Christmas. We don't have factor spin this week. Who goes first? Um, you know what? It's the season of giving, so I'm going to give you the chance to go first. Wonderful. Yeah, it is. So I assume we're going to go like six to one, right? And do our save our favorites for last. Is that the order we're going to do this in? Yeah, yeah. We're going we're going six to one. So we'll gradually increase on our on our personal list. All right. Well, then coming in at number six, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. No, hold on. Wait, that's not a that's not a song from a Christmas movie. What? That just what that just is the Christmas I guess that's a book initially. What are you talking about? It's a carol. Uh, yeah, but... It's called A Christmas Carol. A carol's a type of song, right? Charles Dickens, famous composer? No. No? No, not quite. <laughs> You've just forfeited your right to go first. I'm taking over the first place slot. Yeah, I'm going to need a moment. Uh... Yeah, re- retool your list for a proper number six. I'll start instead while you get ready. My number six is going to be Welcome Christmas from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh. Yeah. That's right, and obviously the original version is the one I'm talking about. The 1966 one? Not the Jim Carrey version? Not the Jim Carrey one, no. Oh, me and my sister watch the Jim Carrey version every year. I like it. It's it's better than a lot of people give it credit for, I think, but it's not as good as the original. Can we talk about, can we talk about how the title's very misleading? You're right. <laughs> how the Grinch stole Christmas? The Grinch doesn't steal Christmas. The Grinch doesn't steal Christmas. That's the whole point of the film, is that he doesn't. Well, but he does try. But we're talking about Welcome Christmas. That's the one the Who sing, right? Yeah, Welcome Christmas is the song the Who sing as they're all holding hands around the tree in the town square. This is a pretty good song, and I mostly picked that one. I also really like Trim Up the Tree, but Welcome Christmas is, first of all, it's the more serious song. It's the more Christmassy song, and I think it's the song, I mean, it is the song that's playing when they make the movie's final point. I like the way they use it at the beginning to set up how the Who's celebrate Christmas with all of their decorations and stuff. And then at the end, they bring it back and show that the Who's celebration of Christmas doesn't change in spite of their stuff being taken overnight. It's a great song to, to start off our 12 spins with, welcoming in Christmas as we kick off these 12 spins. You're right. Also, audience, we're totally going to be watching the scene that happens when the song plays. And so there may be some commentary about that. If you haven't seen the movies, go check them out. There's some cool movies we're going to talk about. And if you have, tell us which one's your favorite in the comments. Yeah, let us know. Welcome Christmas. Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. So this scene is the scene at the end of the movie where the Grinch looks down over the Who's that he assumes are going to be devastated because he's taken everything from them. Did you know this movie was directed by Chuck Jones? who was the guy that co-created Bugs Bunny, and he invented Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. Really? And he's got very close Looney Tunes ties. Did not realize that. Yeah, and these lyrics, Fahu Fores, Dahu Dores, they were meant to imitate Latin. And when the special first aired, the studio got letters asking for translations of the lyrics, which don't mean anything. So they had to respond and be like, that's just Dr. Seuss. I know. Have you ever read a Dr. Seuss book in your life? Of course, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good chunk of the lyrics, too. Uh, how popular a song is that half the lyrics mean nothing? Yeah, and I think that's kind of what makes it so impressive. Everyone kind of knows this song or can sing along with it real quick. And it's it's almost like those words have developed a meaning through this song, right? It's almost they have like like they don't the words mean nothing, but the sentiment of the words has deep meaning because of the scene it accompanies. Right, it draws you back to this special, to the Grinch, just to the general idea of the story. It makes you think about that. Like, the words almost mean welcome Christmas, even though that's not what they actually mean. Right. Look, his eyes change from red to blue. Yeah, those eyes don't match his outfit anymore. They clash. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I love the way that they use the music and all these Latin-type vocals 
that make it sound almost like bells. Did you hear the way that it bounces up and down? Like, it sounds like it's coming from a steeple somewhere, you know? Yeah. It feels very Christmassy, just in the way that it sounds. He's not nearly as green as I remember. It's interesting that you say that. The Grinch's color for the special was based on rental cars that Chuck Jones would go get in D.C. and Baltimore, in that surrounding area. He would get cars that were this ugly green color, and he said, that's what I want the Grinch to look like. Yeah, he's almost more of a yellow in the scene. I don't know if it's just because of the pink background making him look that way, but he's almost got a mustard yellow look to him. And here goes his heart. And it breaks the box. It's clever. It is. Also, even if you found enough strength, you have no traction or grip on that slope with that snow and ice. To yank the sled up. Yeah, it doesn't matter how strong you are. You're going over there with it. Yeah, but he's got Christmas spirit now. That's more important than traction. It's true. I've always loved this bit. Look how the Who's just slide open like a little door. <laughs> yeah, the Who's like slide open like a door. And he throws all their stuff back <laughs> so to him. Funny. And they get a merry... Well, they were going to have a Merry Christmas anyway, but they're having a Merry Christmas with their stuff. Dude, how much of that stuff is breaking? I mean, come on. He's chucking it everywhere. It's the end. That's the end of the special. If you haven't seen it, I guess we just spoiled the ending for you. That's my number six pick. Welcome Christmas. It's a good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, So I, I learned what A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens is. Yeah, yeah, you did. So that's off your list. What have you put on in place? of charles dickens uh, i was trying to think what song would, would really encompass the ideology of a christmas carol since that's what i originally wanted there and i thought what better than one of the worst holiday movies of ever made and that's star wars christmas special what it's actually the star wars holiday special to be fair <laughs> okay no so i haven't ever seen the star wars christmas special but it's infamously terrible yeah, we're going to be doing Good Night, but not Goodbye. Okay, I've never heard this song before. What's it about? What what What's happening in the Christmas special around this song? So, let's just, let's just talk about the Christmas special real fast. Sure, yeah, tell the audience about the special. The Star Wars Holiday Special, it came out in 1978 between the original film and Empire Strikes Back, which came out in 1980. And it follows Chewbacca's family, actually. It's all about Chewbacca and Han Solo trying to get back to the Wookiee homeworld to celebrate what they call Life Day, which is basically their version of Christmas. Right. It introduces Chewbacca's family, his father, Itchy, his wife, Mala, and his son, Lumpy. Itchy and Lumpy? Are you did these Wookiees belong to Michael Jackson? <laughs> they owned by Michael Jackson. That's great. Wow. Okay, so they really already right off the bat. I've got some red flags. Uh, you know, all the main characters, Luke Skywalker, C-3PO, Darth Vader, R2-D2, Princess Leia, they all also show up in different appearances. Are they all played by their original actors? Yeah, they all were in it. That's what I thought. Uh, but fun fact, this this movie is the movie introduction of a classic Star Wars character. I want you to guess which classic Star Wars character from the original trilogy makes their movie debut in the Star Wars holiday special? Oh, that's a tough question. First of all, let me ask, uh, is this holiday special canon in any way? Or was it like even intended to be canon and then they retconned it? I think it was intended to be until it got such bad reviews that then it was never shown again. Okay, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. I'm going to put in a... Oh, I'm going to put in a guess at Jabba the Hutt because he does show up in the remastered version of episode four. 
but he's not in the original one. But he's not originally in it. Yeah, it is not Jabba the Hutt. Okay. But you're uh, kind of in the right sphere of characters. Really? It's Boba Fett. Boba Fett? Really? Wow. Boba Fett makes his movie debut in the Star Wars Holiday Special. So the Boba Fett scene is the only scene from the movie that is considered good, that like critics gave good reviews about. And so it's the only scene to really have been surfaced and put anywhere since it originally came out. That's really interesting. You think that's really interesting? Let's talk about the song. <laughs> the song itself is sung by B. Arthur. Oh, what? Okay, yeah. She sings the song, and it takes place in the uh, most Isley Cantina. Please tell me it's the band of alien guys that... The band does the music for it, yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, and what's happening in the special as this is going on? It's just her singing the song about how it's time to say goodnight, but not goodbye. And you get to see all the fun alien from the cantina again. Not really anything too plot heavy going on. Okay. Okay, sure. I'll take that. That makes it easy. But let's, let's, uh, let's see for ourselves. Let's watch the clip. I'm a little apprehensive about this one. I gotta be honest. I don't know what this is about to be. Three, two... One, snow. Oh, they're playing a slowed down version of the Cantina theme. Yeah. Why is this already terrible? The directing, <laughs> the camera work? This already feels so far from a Star Wars movie. There she is. I want the Golden Girls to be canon in Star Wars lore. Yeah, she's not really an alien. She does just look like herself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's Greedo. This song really doesn't have really anything to do with the holidays either no nothing not really or is this a bad precedent that we're setting i mean it takes place during the holiday special but it's just her singing about saying good night i don't know if i love or hate that they constructed this whole song to fit the existing cantina theme yeah a lot of the songs in this special are that way leia sings a song at the end of the movie that's done to like a slowed down redone version of the main star wars theme oh look the alien's gonna dance with her hey wait how is greedo in this if this happens after episode four where he gets killed. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? They, it feels like they built this just to have B. Arthur in the show. Well, a big, a big thing that people really liked about the fourth movie was this scene, right? Seeing all the fun aliens and stuff. So they also probably just wanted to come back here. And so did she just trick them all into going out by starting a conga line out the door? Pretty much. Oh, don't cry, bouncer. It'll be okay. You'll come back to work tomorrow. <laughs> Do you think they do this every night? <laughs> That's uh, in my head canon. This is how every night at the most Isley Cantina ends. That's the song. Wow. That was really <laughs> bad. I'm glad that was your number six. You saying B. Arthur and the Star Wars Holiday Special are bad? I'm not saying anything about B. Arthur. It might be a slight commentary on the Star Wars Holiday Special, but that's the only part of it I've seen. Fun fact, this score on Rotten Tomatoes has a 27%. Uh, from critics across 15 reviews and a 19% across the audience from 10,000 ratings. What did you say, 27? Yeah. So to recap, my number six pick was a perfect 100 on Rotten Tomatoes, and your number six pick was a 27? Well, that's just from the critics. The audience gave it a 19. <laughs> right. It's even worse when you factor that in. This is how normal episodes go, too. <laughs> yeah. It holds a special place in my heart, though. The holiday special doesn't get talked about enough. You know, Star Wars lore wants to get rid of it, but the fans refuse as a cult following. It sure got talked about enough tonight. 
Let's move on to my number five pick. Okay, yeah, what's your number five pick? Do you have any guesses? Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. As a matter of fact, it is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from the 1964 Christmas stop motion of the same name. Stop motion and Christmas just go so well together. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, it's due in large part to specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's actually the longest continually running annual Christmas special. It's aired every year since 1964. That's awesome. So this year is number 57. This song is in the credits, right? Because they do the scene where they like walk through the song, but the song doesn't actually play. Yeah, this song takes place during the end credits because, of course, the song itself covers the entire story. It, it would spoil the plot of the movie if they did it much earlier. Did you know the story of Rudolph was first published in 1939? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the song was written by Johnny Marks, and it was based on a book by his brother. And Gene Autry was the first person to chart with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1949. Huh. Yeah, it was the first number one song of the 1950s. And after it hit number one, it fell off of the chart completely the next week which makes it the first and only song to do so. This is a song everybody probably knows. I mean, there's no way you don't know this song if you are anywhere that celebrates Christmas. If you live under a rock, I mean, I just... (laughs) Rudolph is a popular special. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a popular song. And the version of the song used in this special was Burl Ives. He's the voice of Sam the Snowman and the narrator for the special. His version only reached number 142 on the Billboard 200, but still good. It's still, I like Burl Lives. I do too. He's the perfect choice for the narrator. Well, yeah, I think so. But it's easy to say that when he's the only narrator we have. That's fair. Anyway, let's take a look at the ending scene of the special. All right, let's do it. All right, three, two, one, glow. Get it? Because it's his nose. His nose glows red. That was good. That was good. Thank you. For context, there's a big blizzard, if you don't know, and Rudolph has to shine his nose through the snow. His little nose is the only thing that's going to keep Santa alive. That's right. Can we talk about how his nose whistles like that when it glows? Whistles? It makes this terrible sound, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. That's not mentioned in the song anywhere. <laughs> that's what I'd be making fun of him for if I was a reindeer, not for the glowing nose. That's cool. No, yeah, the point is you're not supposed to make fun of Rudolph. One thing that I actually learned while I was looking up this song for the, for the episode is that only two of the puppets from this special are still in existence. Really? Santa and Rudolph are still around. Yeah. And they were on Antiques Roadshow. Huh. Yeah, the rest of the puppets melted in somebody's attic. And just imagine being the person that melted all the Rudolph figures. Yeah, look at all these toys on the Island of Misfit Toys. But here comes Rudolph to save the day. Rudolph always keeps his promises. Also, are there only three toys on this island? It's been so long since I've seen this movie. There's the rest of them. I was like, I swear there was more of them in the scene. No, you remember all the ridiculous toys. I love the creativity they had behind behind some of these ridiculous misfit toys. Like a Charlie in the box. Yeah. Like a cowboy that rides an ostrich or a pistol that shoots jelly instead of water. (laughs) I would love a pistol that shot jelly instead of water as a Christmas present. Add that to my Christmas list too. So noted. And they started off with He Went Down in History and then they get into the official song. Boy, it's timeless, isn't it? This, This little movie here. It's so good. I also like that in this version, Santa doesn't deliver the presents and go down the chimney or anything. He just flies over houses and an elf chucks presents at houses with umbrellas yeah it's 
It's a very different take on it, isn't it? You're just like, you, get down there. I also have to point out, he's giving umbrellas to everything, and he does not give an umbrella to the bird that does not fly. It swims. He, he throws <laughs> that bird off the edge, and it can't fly. Oh, no. Oh, no. The album's like, oh, you're a bird. You'll be fine. And yeah, he doesn't know. Oh, no. Oh, no. That elf's going on the naughty list now. He's a murderer. Have Hermie rip all his teeth out. <laughs> Are we doing this Christmas spirit thing right? You'll go down in history. Oh, and Santa says, Merry Christmas and waves goodbye. What a magical conclusion to a magical special. Such a feel-good movie. A lot of Christmas movies are. That's why people like them. And now for my number five pick, do uh, you have any guesses for what mine is? Oh, because I made you guess mine. Now you're going to make me guess at all yeah. of yours. Yep. I don't uh -huh. know. All yours are so crazy. Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm just going to play it easy and guess that your number five is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as well. It is. Is it really? I also went with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, but. Okay, okay. I went with not the version from the movie. I went with the version from a movie that is probably a deeper cut. A lot of people probably haven't seen. It's called A Claymation Christmas Celebration. Okay. I have also not seen it. You're really, you weren't kidding when you said you went for deep cuts. So Clay, uh, Claymation Chris, Christmas Celebration is an animated Christmas TV special uh, that came out in 1987, done by Will Vinton. This is his take on a stop motion Claymation animated Christmas movie. Uh, the movie is, again, done kind of episodic with a bunch of little stories uh, that are hosted by a Tyrannosaurus Rex named Rex and a Stachiosaurus named Herb, or Herb. That's funny because it's an herbivore. I like that. Herb has quite the appetite, too, which is also funny. Oh, they really lean into that. And the two dinosaurs are standing around a claymation version of London's Christmas Square while they talk about a bunch of classic Christmas carols and their origins and kind of where they come from. Oh, so the whole thing is like a music video clip show for music videos that don't exist and they just add claymation yep they do like carol the bells and it's a bunch of claymation bells like ringing themselves to it, it there's a bunch of stuff that they do interesting so what do they do for rudolph so for rudolph uh their version of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer is sung by a group called the raisins it's actually the end of their special too you know they also in their their claim animation special with rudolph the red-nosed reindeer but uh, you know, in this universe, the raisins are little animated raisins who sing at a club. And so as they're leaving the club to go home, they sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Why? What? The raisins? A bunch of animated raisins singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's my number five pick. And you, I'm just to clarify, unless Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, my version is on your list again, you're ranking this above... <laughs> <laughs> the normal version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This is just a fun old school movie. Sure. And I wanted to go with deep cuts. I didn't necessarily pick my favorites. Uh, I, I ignored the rules. Yeah, that's right. We did. Yeah, you ignored the rules. Okay, well, I'm ready when you are. Three, two, one, raisin. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> so here we are standing outside like, you know, the, their little place, a bunch of animated raisins. Oh, I love the little snowman raisin that they put in there. I believe the raisins also show up in one of his other claymation like specials. Yeah, they look familiar. One of my favorite puns right there. One of the raisins says, oh, the last bus just left. And then he goes, so call me a cab. And one of the other raisins goes, hey, man, you're a cab. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's a classic. Oh, here they go. 
They're singing now. I mean, I can't say anything bad about the claymation aspect of this. It's really well done. And I, I think the singing is done well, too. It's just a little different. It's not what people are used to. But it's done well, unlike unlike the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. Oh, the singing is great. The song is great. The claymation is great. The problem I'm having is just the concept of <laughs> stranded raisins singing Rudolph for no reason. Look, that one tapped his nose. That's funny. Look, this, yeah, look, this one's nose uh, gets all shiny. They shine it. Oh, they're polishing his nose. And now they're making it glow by rubbing it. Oh, they just twisted it. Now look, they're doing synchronized dance moves. <laughs> look, they're all wearing cute little scarves and hats and earmuffs and sneakers. Dude, I've never seen a race in this cool in my life. I like the bass that's going on in this. Aren't there more productive things they could be doing with their time, like walking to another place they could catch a bus or walking home? Oh, they have a special way to get home. We'll get there. Uh, okay. Don't worry. Yeah, one of them's now sitting in a chair. Carrying pipes? What are they doing? They're looting the city. And one of them's grabbing some pipes and tires. And now they're tying themselves together with rope. They're tying themselves together? Are they doing... Oh my gosh. They're just going to make all the raisins pull the one raisin along. <laughs> They've made their own little sleigh out of junk. and Oh, when they fly? Now flying through the air. <laughs> I got to hand it to you. This is even more ridiculous than you made it sound. <laughs> But that's my number five pick. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We agreed. It goes in at number five. <laughs> we did not exactly. I don't want to. I don't want to mislead anyone and think that we were in a consensus on that being number five. But listen, audience, vote below on whose version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was better. Go watch both clips and vote in the chat. Uh, so Claymation Christmas, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score, there's no critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is 88% with 1,000 plus ratings. 88%. That's actually pretty impressive. But that takes us to slot number four for you. That's right. Slot number four for me. This was a tough one to pick, and I kind of went for what I consider to be an interesting choice on this one. I picked Believe from the Polar Express. Oh, that's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I'm so glad you picked that. Yeah, that's the one I picked. It's the only Christmas song I listen to year-round. I mean, I believe it. It's, I, I believe it. It's a good song. So we're finally moving out of the 60s. You know, we started with 66 and 64. We're finally up to 2004 when the Polar Express came out. It's based on a 1985 book, and the author, Chris Van Allsburg, is one of the movie's executive producers. So that's always a good indicator that you're going to watch a pretty faithful adaptation of the story. Yeah. I'm sure, as most everybody knows, Polar Express is a CGI animated movie. In fact, it was the first all-digital capture film. Yes. It got put in the Guinness World Record book for that. It did. It had a production budget of $165 million dollars which was the highest for an any animated movie to that point. And even today, after all kinds of animated movies have come out, it's still roughly tied for 19. That's crazy. 160 million of that probably just went to Tom Hanks and all of his characters he voices. <laughs> yeah, because Tom <laughs> Hanks plays very many characters. It paid off, though, all that money that they invested into it. They grossed $286 million during its initial run and debuted at number two at the box office. Do you have any guesses? Nice. At what was number one? Oh, um, no. I'll give you a hint. It's a movie that you know. It come out in 2004. In, this came out in November, which is around the time holiday movies come out. So is it another holiday movie? It's not. Oh, what is it then? It's The Incredibles. 
The Polar Express debuted right behind The Incredibles. Whoa, okay, that's fair. I'd agree with that. Well, the movie, as you probably already know, follows an unnamed protagonist on a train ride to the North Pole where he learns to, you guessed it, believe in Santa. So I think it's all too fitting that this song is the primary theme. It's so cute, too, because they do the whole thing with all the tickets where the conductor, like, uh, you know, takes his hole punch and gets all arts and craftsy with it on everybody's <laughs> ticket. Like, he goes to town yeah. on those tickets. <laughs> And him and the really annoying nerdy guy both have B-E as their first two letters. And then, you know, they get the rest of their letters after they meet Santa on the return trip. And he gets the rest of his word to be believe. And then the other guy gets his to be the word behave. And I just think that's really funny. It is. That's a clever little twist. Uh, Josh Groban's version of this song was nominated for an Oscar. Best original song. Nice. And he performed it at the awards ceremony with Beyonce. Nice. I know, right? And it did get a Grammy in 2006 for best song written for a motion picture, television, or other visual media. It peaked at number one for five weeks on the Billboard Hot Adult Contemporary Tracks chart, which makes it Josh Groban's fourth most popular song. Understandable. It's a great song. It really is. Should we listen to it? Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one, grow. Get it? Because cause Groban. You're really leaning in on this. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm going to try and come up with one for everything now. Ah, his soulful voice. So good here. He's got a nice vibrato. And the Christmas, oh, those jingle bells, they really sell it. It's the perfect sound to go with the music. That choir's great, too. Calling like bells in the distance because the whole thing's about a bell. It's just very well crafted. Yeah, because like the bell is like the, Santa's, the, one of the shticks of the movie is that only children who believe can hear Santa's sleigh bells. And so he gets given one of the bells off of Santa's sled as like a memento to continue believing about. I love that they incorporated this song so heavily into the score of the movie as well. The score is actually notoriously unavailable. Yep. They never really released it aside from a few promotional copies. Interesting. The opening like theme that like runs through the majority of the songs, you know, like most opening themes do is available. I listen to it from time to time. Yeah, you could definitely find some of the motifs in the themes. If you just believe. Oh, it's so good. Hey, please leave the believing. Leave the believing to Josh Groban. No, no, I'm supposed to believe. That's what he's telling me to do. <laughs> yeah, but we'll wait till he's done. And then he sings about a train because they ride a train. And then he sings about a ship because there's no ships in the movie. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because just to let you know. <laughs> Can we also talk about how in this movie they like drift a train across a sheet of ice it's pretty impressive this movie should be canonically part of the fast and the furious franchise two polar two express <laughs> i'll be honest i think this is the only josh groban song i know really no you don't know his version of oh holy night that's another popular christmas song he does oh i probably yeah okay i probably do it's the only josh groban song i know i know fair enough that's believe that's my number four track from the polar express i'm a little disappointed it's at number four and not higher if I'd taken my list a little more seriously, it would have been much higher. You had every opportunity to do so. I don't want to be responsible for my actions. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for my actions. Well, unfortunately, I guess you are. What's your number four pick? Dare I ask? My number four pick is also from Polar Express. I went with something a little more well-known and not from like the 80s. Yeah, you went with an, a, a movie that I would have picked. Yeah. 
I went with the song Hot Chocolate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is, I will, no joke, that is my least favorite song in the movie. Maybe one of my least favorite songs in any Christmas movie. I love that song. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I love it. There's a million tap dancing waiters and Tom Hanks is just yep. yelling about Hot Chocolate the whole time. And so without further ado, let's listen to Hot Chocolate. Yeah, let's. Three, two, one. Grow. I stole yours. But Josh Groban is in no uh, way related to this. Listen, he's like, is it, he says it all serious. He's like, does anybody need some refreshments? And all these kids go, yes. And here come the tap dancing waiters. And also, look at what kind of train seats like move like that. Like, that's crazy. I think a lot of them do. Hot, hot. Oh, we got it. Hot, hot. Oh, we got it. Dude, the conductor, again, voiced by Tom Hanks, gets real crazy with the uh, walkie talkie. Yes, he does. Like, you thought the waiters were crazy. Watch some of the, the stunts he does with this walkie talkie. This is one of the most impressive scenes for animation in this movie they really go all out and again all done with mocap and it shows i mean some of these dances are really complicated also the entire line all the lines are just hey we got it Ooh, we got it hot chocolate yeah if you were wondering about lyrics don't here we've only got one rule never ever let it cool that's pretty much the only other line i also think it's interesting that she chooses to hide hot chocolate for the boy in the back car instead of you know actually just telling them that he's back there and would like some hot chocolate isn't there a reason he's in the back car he doesn't have a ticket well that's true oh can we also talk about how the tables like didn't exist they put the tablecloths down but there was no actual table it was magic tables yeah i don't know how you could go on this whole trip and not start believing in santa a little yeah. when you've got magic hot chocolate waiters at your disposal but that's that song yeah i think tom hanks puts forth more energy in the polar express movie than he will ever cumulatively for the rest of his roles in anything he goes all in and honestly he sells the parts that he plays this movie has a rotten tomato score of 56 percent from critics with 208 reviews and an audience score of 63 percent with 100,000 ratings the polar express i'm honestly kind of surprised by that that it's low or high that it's low that feels low i've i agree you know i've been a critic of the polar express in the past but honestly it's grown on me i think and i don't think it's deserving of anything in the What'd you say, the 50s? Yeah, 56 from critics, 63 from audience. That's a little low. It's like a 75. I feel like 75. It's a C movie, you know, 75. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to number three. All the way up to number three already. That puts us at a halfway point on our list. My number three pick is another classic. I know we just got out of the 60s. I'm going to put us right back. We're going to shove us right back. Yeah, yeah. My next song is Christmas Time is Here from a Charlie Brown Christmas. Ooh, that's a good one. Yep. That's another good one. I know. This special came out in 1965. It was the first animated special for Charles Schultz Peanuts characters who he created way back in 1950. Really? This was the first one? Yeah, and it was actually commissioned by Coca-Cola. Oh, thank you, Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I bet you didn't know that. It took them weeks to write and then six months to make this special, which is an interesting tidbit, I thought. Six months to make a Christmas special like this is pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's pretty fast. Yeah, and they actually broke the mold for TV in a lot of ways. First of all, they hired actual children as voice actors, which was not super common. Mm -hmm. The second thing they did was they ditched the traditional track which you know was pretty common in shows at the time and i have to be honest i feel like that really helped the show's longevity because can you imagine with a laugh track i feel like it would 
feel a lot harder to watch. I'm trying to think of where they put in a laugh track outside of like Snoopy sing scenes. There's not a lot of spots for some laugh tracks. <laughs> there are a few. Although I would love a laugh track every time that Charlie Brown misses the football. That would be a good spot for a laugh track. Yeah, it would. And of course, the last way that they broke the mold is that the now iconic Vince Guaraldi trio provided the score. It wasn't the first time that Vince Guaraldi worked with the Peanuts. He also scored a 1963 documentary about the comic strip, but it was really unconventional for them to bring in this jazz musician to make the music for it. But because they did all of these unusual things, you know, with kid actors, with the lack of a laugh track, the producers in the network were not convinced that the special was going to catch on, which ironically really kind of parallels what the special itself is about. <laughs> You know, because they try and put on a play and they think no one will come or it'll be a terrible play. But with a little tender love and care, they're able to make it into something really cool. It's been a blockbuster of a Christmas special. The soundtrack has sold more than 4 million copies in the U.S. And of course, this song is kind of its crown jewel. Sure. The soundtrack actually entered the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2007. Shall we go ahead and hit play on Christmas Time Is Here? Let's do it. Okay, I don't have a clever thing to say for this one yet. Yeah, I'm interested to see how you pull this one off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a clever way to start this one. I committed to the bit last time and I've already given up. All right, three, two, one. I haven't. Okay, great. Great, can't wait to see what you do next. All right, three, two, one, go. Listen to it start just right away. That jazzy piano. I'm all just skating around. Now, there are two versions of this song in the special, if you'll recall. There's this version, that's the vocal version, and there's also an instrumental version. Yes, I actually tend to prefer the instrumental version. Yeah, it's there's something more subtle about it. But this vocal version features a church choir from California of actual kids, of course, and that's they instructed them to sing more off-key. Their director was telling them to, you know, nail every note, but the, the people came in to record them and went, no, no, this is... To purposely sing off-key is actually harder than it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to still make it sound good enough. Yeah, and look, there's Linus with his little security blanket that's become synonymous with him. Boy, I love it. This song has been covered by Mariah Carey, so you know it's a Christmas song. But it's also been covered by Sarah McLachlan, Chicago, Kenny Loggins, Michael W. Smith, Edina Menzel. Mariah Carey covered it a second time. It's really a Christmas song if Mariah Carey did it twice. I know. Very popular. I love this bit, too, where Snoopy, Snoopy goes uh -huh. crazy on the ice <laughs> like he's a professional figure skater. Uh, he is. This is where the laugh track would come in handy. That's what I said. The laugh track really would go well with, like, Snoopy. <laughs> Look, he <laughs> yanks Linus around and picks Charlie Brown up. That's so classic. And they don't make them like this anymore. And there's the title screen, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Boy, what a song. What a, what a Christmas, Christmas special. It's great. And what a franchise, Peanuts. I mean, I'm a fan. I am as well. My number three pick. What's your number three pick? Is it Eye of the Tiger from Rocky for some reason? <laughs> I don't, I'm not like, I'm over it. What's your number three pick? We're sticking with the 2000s. You know, we've modernized. It's a pretty classic era of Christmas music too. We're going with a Christmas, an animated Christmas movie that was inspired directly by this Christmas song that came out decades before it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. We're doing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Ah, yes. That one I'll give you. This is more of a, a traditional song that you'll hear around Christmas time. So in 2000, 
a animated Christmas TV special directed by Phil Roman uh, came out. That was in, you know inspired by the 1979 song of the same name. It actually was on Dr. Demento, which was a show back in the 70s. He did a Christmas album that this song was on. And the whole song is about how Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Right. And for those of you who don't know, radio shows were just like podcasts before podcasts existed. It's true. It's where the cast and podcast comes from. Yeah. Uh, the plot of the film, uh, Jake Spankenheimer. That's the kid's name. The kid's name is Spankenheimer? I'll admit, I, I know the song, but I have not seen the movie. The movie is a fever dream. So they, the Spankenheimers live in this Christmassy town where, like, all the stores are owned by this guy named Austin Bucks. Oh, how convenient. Yeah, the only property he doesn't own is a small little, like, uh, general store slash bakery owned by Jake Spankenheimer's grandmother. Yeah, this plot sounds a little familiar. We'll get there. But, you know, so Grandma refuses to sh- sell much to the to the chagrin of gold-digging cousin Mel. Dun-dun-dun! Cousin Mel spanking bottom? <laughs> cousin Mel wants grandma to sell the store and plans to force grandma to sell the store by sabotaging her famous fruitcake recipe and putting in an extra ingredient so that people won't buy it making her go out of business and have to sell what's the special ingredient cousin mel wants to put in i don't remember it's been a long time it's either something that is that really attracts reindeers or it's like reindeer catnip basically okay Mm. And so, you know, Santa on Christmas Eve is out delivering his presents as Grandma's leaving Jake Spankenheimer's house to go to her house. So she forgot her medication, as the song implies. Right. The reindeer smells this fruitcake that's laced with reindeer catnip and goes crazy and goes after it and accidentally runs over Grandma. Well, you think they'd be better trained. And Santa pulls a hit and run. Well, he can't exactly leave his insurance information now, can he? Well, he tries. So when does this song happen? When do they sing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? As Grandma gets run over, the, oh. uh, the song plays and the characters kind of act out the song. Oh, so it's a real in the moment thing, not like these other songs that were just credit. Yeah. Should we do it? I don't know if I'm ready to watch this crime be committed in an animated movie, but yeah, let's do it. All right. Three, two, one. Ho, ho, ho. Good grief. She's talking in Jake Spankenheimer. Look how good at shadow puppets they are. That's impressive. Gotta go to sleep so Santa will come. That's, yeah, that's how it works. Also, I love Grandma's hair. And here comes the song. She's putting on her shoes with no socks like an animal. Her sick high top shoes. Not even tying them. I mean, they're just already tied. No socks, but she's really whipping that scarf. And look, that's the fruitcake and some eggnog. See, they like mirror the song here. They just literally just dialogue line for line. <laughs> Grandpa begs. If I remember right, her medication got poured into her eggnog too to make her drowsy. Uh, oh, he's awake. Look at him. He's sleeping. He doesn't even care. Oh, but he hears the bells. He believes. Just in time. Poor kid gets to see his grandma get plowed over by us. Oh my gosh. Uh, we cuts away when grandma gets run over. And we just come back to her like sprawled in the snow. Yep. It's. That's... And then they do a little reprise of the song when they run out the next morning and she's not there. For some reason, they wait till the next morning to go out. I don't really understand why. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, that's that's how that song got incorporated into a movie of the same name. It's quite a story and quite a song. Uh, the movie has uh, no Rotten Tomato scores that I could find, but on IMDb, it has a 4.5 out of 10. That tracks, honestly. I mean, to watch just this clip of it, I... 
that's about where I would put it. Another great movie to watch if you just want to watch a silly, weird Christmas movie you've maybe never seen. Expand your horizons. But that brings us to the number two slots. Number two. How about that? My number two pick is a good one. Uh, It's probably my number one movie on the list, but it's going to be my number two song. Really? Yes. And mostly I'm picking the song because of the scene in the movie that it, you know, plays during. Okay. You said you did it. I took the liberty and I did it too. I'm picking Hark the Herald Angels Sing from the ending of It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's a great Christmas movie. It's a great movie just in general, Christmas or otherwise. It's an old black and white movie. Yes, it is. It's from 1946. We're getting older. We were in the 60s. We went modern. Then you yanked us back to the 60s. And now you're yanking us back to the 40s. I know. I know. It's uh, it's just the way it worked out. This movie features the legendary Jimmy Stewart alongside Donna Reed. And it was co-written, directed, and produced by the man himself, Frank Capra. I think this is my dad's favorite Christmas movie, if I remember right. Yeah, that shouldn't be a surprise to me. I mean, both Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart, again, film icons. They've named this as their favorite film that they've worked on. Fair enough. I know. It's been nominated for five Academy Awards. And the American Film Institute has consistently ranked it among the best 100 movies of all time. And honestly, it's hard not to agree. It is darn good. It kind of started to become a Christmas staple around the mid-70s, around 1976, 30 years after it came out. And at that point, Capra was really surprised by the film's success. Well, yeah, 30 years later. (laughs) I know. Yeah, so it holds up independently of the holiday season because it is just a good movie period. The first time Hark the Herald Angels Sing comes up, George's daughter Janie is playing it on the piano, kind of plunking it out on the string. She's she's practicing. Yeah. But the real stinger for the song comes at the end of the movie. You like to pick songs that end the movies. Well, yeah, they end the movie with the best song. It only makes sense. But uh, in a way that is much more serious and not as all goofy, this kind of, when you were describing the plot of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, I was reminded of this because there's a man, there's a man, Potter, and he's rich and he owns the entire town except for this building and loan, you know, and that's owned by the Bailey family, George Bailey specifically, who's Jimmy Stewart. And they're kind of the last holdouts who aren't selling and they're helping people out. They're like the last good place at town that's not controlled by the mean evil potter and eventually there's this cataclysmic like there's this moment of crisis in george's life and he jumps off of a bridge and he's rescued by a mysterious person who we as the audience know to be his guardian angel and his guardian angel says listen i'm going to take you through what life would look like if you had never existed the world without george bailey and that's the real kicker of the movie is we see the way that this one man impacted this small town and so at the end of the movie he realizes that he was meant to be in the world you know he's contributed a lot to the town and uh he heads back home just grateful frankly to be alive and he finds out that the entire town pitched in and donated tons and tons of money to help solve his problems they all come in with baskets of money they empty their bank accounts and their savings and everything like that they pour it all onto his table and the whole town is in there singing and and they say you know let's sing about it and they they strike up the piano and it's little janie playing what she's practiced it's hark the herald angels sing but it's such a great moving scene to end the movie you know he's the richest man in bedford falls because he's got all these friends and family that could take care of him yep yeah so let's do it yet again i don't have a clever way to end my countdown we really shouldn't have started the bit we can't follow through i'm following through just fine <sighs> yeah just fine is debatable but you're following <laughs> through all right <laughs> all right three two 
one, go. That's a lot of money in the 40s. Yeah, I know, right? $25,000 from old friends, from, you know, other richer friends. How about some wine? And then she just starts playing away on the piano. It's just such a cool moment. It's pretty great. And here's the moment. I love this, too. The people that were about to, you know, come after him for owing so much money, they put their own money in the pile. And then they start singing, too. The Christmas spirit overtook them. Yeah, it did. Look at the cop covered in snow. That looks great in black and white. It really does. Yeah, the contrast is great. There's, you know, black and white movies have a certain charm to them. I wonder what color that snow really is. Because typically in black and white movies, they go with colors with really big contrasts in order to make it look more like black, white, grayscale to help with the grayscaleness of it. So, like, you'll see people wearing these weird, like red and green outfits that way when it's put in the black and white it looks better yeah so for all we know that's like some like hot pink snow on those cops heads oh and here's where they've switched to old lang sign but he looks at the book that showed up it says thanks for the wings love clarence clarence is his guardian angel that's how the guardian angels get their wings is by is by helping people out yeah and every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings a classic that's probably the most classic line from uh darn close yeah and we fade the black the end there's a big bell look at that thing giving all the angels wings that's where the big angels get their wings from oh that's a good that's a good pick isn't it and and like i said i think that's my favorite of the movies on this list even though it's number two on the song slot well for my number two slot i went with the most christmasy animated movie of all time yeah it's a song from the movie the nightmare before christmas don't (laughs) don't you dare tell me you picked this is halloween to be your Christmas song at number two on the list. Give me a moment. Uh, it's the, the, what's this from Nightmare Before Christmas? Okay, that's a little better. You know, I didn't watch the Nightmare Before Christmas until last year. Somehow it escaped me for that long, and boy, did I love it! It was such a good movie. It's so good. It came out in 1993, directed by Tim Burton. None other, yeah. And despite what you might think from the title, The Nightmare Before Christmas, it's not really a a scary movie. In fact, I found it to be more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie. Absolutely. Why do you think I picked it? I knew what I was doing. Yeah, you had it right, sure. Yeah, the whole story is Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween Town, uh, uh, stumbles upon Christmas Town and becomes obsessed with celebrating Christmas. And it's about his whole adventure, learning about what Christmas truly is and... as he tries to bring Christmas to Halloween Town. It's a really clever plot for a film, and I think they execute it really, really well. Yeah. Fun fact, Nightmare Before Christmas was originally a poem written by Tim Burton back in the 80s, and he pitched this as a lot of different things. He pitched it as a short film, as a 30-minute television special. He pitched it as a bunch of different stuff, kept getting rejected before he finally struck a deal with Walt Disney in 1990 and started working on it in 1991. Wow. Could you imagine this as a 30-minute special? No, I think it would be really disappointing as a 30-minute special. It wouldn't cover enough ground. It was nominated for an academy award for best visual effects which was the first time an animated film had been nominated for that award really wow yeah but the song we're talking about not this is halloween unfortunately but what's this which is still a very funny song it's a great song it's catchy it's fun but boy is it silly it's just him screaming what's this over and over as he points out christmas related things that he's never seen because he's from halloween town yeah he sings it right when he gets to christmas town and he's baffled by everything there's one moment we'll get to in it that is just hilarious to me i laugh out loud every time it happens i'm excited to watch this again i would have preferred to have been doing this at halloween but you know whatever i could not your number two christmas movie song was not gonna be this is halloween listen i'll neither confirm nor deny if it was three 
two, one, boo. Okay, boo was close. That's a slant rhyme. Kanye, take notes. Here he is looking at the tree to Christmas Town next to Turkey Town. That's where the Thanksgiving songs are hiding, I bet. Oh, there's Zero. Zero's his little ghost dog. Isn't he the best? He has a little red nose, like Rudolph. Maybe all the other ghost dogs make fun of him. All of the other ghost dogs used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Zero join in any ghost dog games. So here he is. He's arriving in Christmas Town. Look at the snow and the stars. Oh, just listen to music right away. And then the music picks up. Uh huh. Oh, he just takes a bite of the snow right away. I forgot about that. Yeah, and it just crunches, which is not the sound you want snow to make. Look, there's skating elves and a magical little gingerbread train throws his first snowball accidentally what's this what's this there's colors everywhere what's this there's white things in the air what's this this is him saying what this over and over he's so lanky as a character model and then he steals the snowman hat yeah he dresses up he's disguised as the snowman uh and again the music is actually really well done even though the song's kind of silly it'll get stuck in your head and it it frequently changes key like it's a it's a real piece of musicianship right here this is the part i love he just crawls in the kid's window it's starts peeking under the bed <laughs> that's not even the part but this he puts his face up against the sleeping child's face <laughs> and then screams what's this and that is off. so strange <laughs> it's just imagine like having your face pressed up against a sleeping child you don't know and then screaming what's this and running, and running away. away he's really just enthralled look at the little puffs coming from the train i just love the look of this whole movie he's just screaming it now <laughs> I know. And he crashes into the pole. And he's like, oh, that's the name of a town. Oh, there's Santa himself. As he peeks around the pole menacingly. Yeah. And that's about where the song ends. It gets some reprises later on, but that's, you know, the main version. It's just such a good song. And like, uh, kind of, like I said, kind of a misnomer. It doesn't sound like it'd be a Christmas movie, but it absolutely is. Very much. More, again, more so than it's a Halloween movie at all. Nightmare Before Christmas, Rotten Tomato score, critics, 95% across 100 reviews. Audience, 91% across 250,000 rating. Well, 250,000? Wow. But that brings us to the number one picks it's all been leading up to this it has our number one picks for the best songs from christmas movies at least those were the rules we were supposed to follow yeah it beats me whatever yours could be but i have really good justification for mine and why i've picked it i have very good justification for why i picked mine too i think i guess we'll just have to wait and see (laughs) i feel justified that's really all that matters isn't it so what's yours my song drum rolls White Christmas from the movie Holiday Inn. Ooh, okay. Yeah, this is it. This is number one. Another black and white movie. (laughs) It is. It's from 1942. We've got even older. Holiday Inn came out in 1942. The movie stars Bing Crosby, Marjorie Reynolds, Fred Astaire, and Virginia Dale. Holiday Inn is not really, like, specifically a Christmas movie, but it has multiple, multiple Christmas scenes and songs in it. So I think it qualifies. I have no room to say otherwise based off of the things I've picked. So I am immune from criticism on your part. Audience, though, he's not immune from you. So get him. Yeah. Holiday Inn is the debut outing of White Christmas as a song. It was written by Irving Berlin and performed, obviously, in this movie and most famously by Bing Crosby. In the movie, it's a faux duet with Marjorie Reynolds. You know, they look like they sing it together, but her singing was actually dubbed by Martha Mears. Oh. The whole gimmick of Holiday Inn as a movie is that they run a kind of nightclub that's only open on holidays. So for the movie, Irving Berlin wrote a different song for each holiday. 
you know, uh, New Year's Eve gets a song, Valentine's Day gets a song, the 4th of July has a song, and this is the song that he writes for Christmas. National Milk Day gets a song. He actually had some trouble coming up with this song because he's Jewish and doesn't celebrate Christmas. So White Christmas is what he comes up with. And nobody expected it to be the song that caught on from the movie. People predicted that the Valentine's Day song would be a way bigger hit. But boy, did White Christmas ever catch on. It was so successful, in fact, that it led them to make the movie called White Christmas, which is also featuring this song, also starring Bing Crosby, and also centered around the idea of running an inn. (laughs) (laughs) They're not very similar movies, but there are some striking similarities between them. But you went with this version, the OG. The OG first ever performance of White Christmas, yes. And the reason I picked it at number one, let me clarify, too, I think it's important to point out. I think a lot of these songs and movies are very popular, but if we're looking at best holiday songs from movies, it feels like a no contest that White Christmas has found much more success than even the movie that it originated from, right? Of all these songs on my list, it's the one that stands on its own the most. You know, you listen to Rudolph and Welcome Christmas and Believe every single year, but you're always aware of the work that they're from. Yeah. I think White Christmas stands alone because I'm sure Holiday Inn isn't as much of a Christmas tradition for people. And honestly, I bet lots of people even wrongly attribute this song to White Christmas, the movie. Sure. So I think this song is objectively the best Christmas song from a Christmas movie because of how much it's able to be separated from that movie and how much it's taken on this life of its own. Fair enough. Let's let's hit it. Let's hit it. Three, two, one, snow. I'm back at it. You know the snow in this movie was actually made of asbestos? Oh, God. Just a side note. Yeah, I, I thought of it when you mentioned the snow-looking high contrast in the other movie, but... It's just a pretty Christmas song. It really is. And he's got such a good voice. Uh Uh-huh. And, I mean, this isn't the only Bing Crosby carol that gets constantly replayed around Christmas time. He's got quite a catalog. And it's a ballad, so you know I love it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. You'll notice mine's been very ballad-free. Yeah, remarkably. Well, Goodnight But Not Goodbye was a little bit of a ballad. (laughs) Kind of, but... (laughs) But a ballad for aliens. (laughs) Oh, see, here's where Marjorie comes in. But not her, <laughs> you know, her overdubbed singing. Surprisingly well done dubbed. Yeah, you can see if you look close how she enunciates her words so that it's clear where the syllables change. And look, he takes the pipe and he hits the bells, which somehow make different tones when he hits them a second time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, it's such a, just a tender ballad and well executed. And look how the fire flares up in the background. Fun fact, that was an accident. The guy who was on the fire rig accidentally turned the gas up instead of down so that's why it starts to go crazy at the end and then fades to black like it's supposed to (laughs) but it's good yeah it produces a really clever effect i wish i had a fireplace uh you might have more of a fireplace than you think but we don't need to go into that add that to my christmas list (laughs) you santa you you want santa to come down your chimney and bring you a fireplace I mean, it's it's innovative, I'll give you that. What do you want on your Christmas list before we do my song? I don't know. Probably more albums to rank, if I'm honest. More albums to rank. Yeah, and more um, episodes of Spin It. More wins against the mixtaper. More wins against the mixtaper? Man, uh, your list is growing by the second. I know, I'm thinking of things. Wendy's could sponsor us, that'd be a great Christmas gift. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want Wendy's to sponsor us. A Wendy's sponsorship, that'd be on my list as well. But my song, my number one song, uh, rounding out my 
side of the 12 spins of Christmas. Yes, tell me, what is the song that you've picked as the top song from any Christmas special ever to be the Christmas song for all these Christmas specials that you love? I chose the song, I Hate Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I Hate Christmas from the Sesame Street Street Christmas special. Yeah, I was going to say, I grew up on the Sesame Street Christmas special and... I do remember Oscar the Grouch singing this song from his trash can. This is a song that I hope a lot of people, when listening to this episode, remember and like it hits a memory that they've. Because I feel like a lot of people saw this growing up, but haven't thought about it in years. I have not thought about it in years. I hadn't thought about it in years until I started looking up songs to put on my list, and then it all came flying back to me. I had this on VHS. I would watch it so many times every Christmas season. Me too. I I mean decades. It's been decades since I've seen this. Probably I've looked up a plot summary of it. Like, it was all flooding back to me. It was hitting me. I was like, oh. I remember they sing Miracle, you know, the Barry Manilow song. And I remember they do a Gift of the Magi bit with Bert and Ernie where they they sell the item that the other one is buying them a present for. Yeah, it's also done in the style of a bunch of smaller stories that are all tied together. And one of those stories is Bert and Ernie selling their possessions their paperclip collection for Bert and Ernie's Robert Ducky they sell those in order to get afford gifts for one another and when do they get one another they get one another gifts for their most prized possessions it's a very heartstring pulling scene too when they give each other gifts and like the puppets somehow convey this like emotion of like awkwardness because like they open their gifts and then one another like oh go put rubber ducky on his soap dish or oh why don't you put your paper clips in see how they fit and they're both just kind of awkwardly like uh-huh yeah uh sure that's the magic of jim henson i mean what a wizard with a puppet it's so good uh the special came out december 3rd of 1978 so i've jumped back Back in time again 1978 wow 1978 on pbs is when this first broadcasted i mean given that i watched it as a child and had no concept of time before when i was born at that age i really did not expect it to be that old that's a surprise to me uh the story starts with uh a bunch of the muppets and sesame street characters at an ice skating party um where then oscar the grouch upsets big bird and plants the seed that santa claus can't actually fit down chimneys that's the whole running thread throughout this entire thing yes that big bird goes around and enlists the help of people to try to figure out how santa could get down a chimney i remember this but there's also this b slash c plot with cookie monster who is trying to get in touch with Santa to tell him what he wants, but keeps eating everything. Yes. Yes, I remember this. He keeps trying to ask Santa for cookies and gets hungry while talking about cookies and then eats everything he tries to do. He like tries to write a letter, eats the pencil, tries to type something, eats the typewriter, tries to use a telephone, eats the telephone. The telephone's the one that gets me because like somebody's talking through the phone while it's down his uh, yes. like, throat. Like he like opens his mouth and hears it. Like that's the one that always gets me is him eating the phone. Yep, I've forgotten so much of this, but I remember it all so well. And then again, another one of the human characters is like, "Why don't you leave cookies for Santa instead of trying to get in touch with Santa?" And that really confuses Cookie Monster. The idea of giving somebody else cookies. Well, there you go. I hate Christmas, sung by Oscar the Grouch. About you know, everybody knows the classic "I Hate Christmas" song. You know, you got Ebenezer Scrooge, Bah Humbug. You got the Grinch with uh, "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch," all about how nasty he is. But best "I Hate Christmas" song is the song "I Hate Christmas" by Oscar Grouch. Yep. Let's do it. Three, two, one. 
no because no Christmas. Oh, clever. Yeah, the guy on the left there, he's on his way to deliver Bert and Ernie's gifts back to them. And look, he celebrates Hanukkah. And so he says, have a happy Hanukkah. All the representation of other holidays. Yes. And here comes Oscar. Is it a little bit awful of Mr. Hooper to take Ernie's duck? Like he knows Ernie loves the duck and Ernie goes, I want to trade this in. And he's like, okay, give me your duck. Well, he tries to convince him not to. Oh. He tries to convince him not to. He's like, are you sure he at both of them? He says, you sure you really want to do this? I see. That's so good. There's Oscar in his trash can. I hate Christmas. He throws a snow. Hitting people with snowballs. Oh, this is great. He gives presents to people, but it's like motor oil. Sludge. Oh. Steals a present from this guy, making him drop them all. Oh, the glass shattering is the icing on the cake. And he's pours out Labor Day and Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, he's not fond of them either. No, see, he rips the no L off. And to no. And then we got the band. And he comes up and like trashes the instruments. He really is a grouch, isn't he? I want to hear Oscar the Grouch's Labor Day song. I know. He's like, I'm not. He's like, if I'm honest, I'm not too fond of Thanksgiving or Labor Day either. <laughs> That's I did on this song on my number one pick, what you did on your number two pick. The, uh, again, I hadn't thought about the PBS Sesame street christmas eve special in over a decade and then i came across it and i was reading about it and i just it all came back to me how much i loved that special as a kid and so there's no way i couldn't not put it here on the list and it came in at number one so it did so it did sesame street christmas special no rotten tomato critic score but the audience score is 85 percent. that's actually resoundingly positive it's too low it should be a perfect 100 it should be a perfect 100 huh there's nothing wrong with that movie maybe so i don't know it's been so long but that brings us into our final spin. Looks a little bit differently this time because obviously we've already just ranked. Yeah, what's all your number albums. one song now? <laughs> I have a good idea for final spin. How about you pick your favorite song from my list and I'll pick my favorite song from your list? That's way easier for you than it is for me. Um, <laughs> I think I have to go. Oh, that's a hard pick. Well, I already know mine. Mine's Believe from the Polar Express. Very easy choice. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to take The Nightmare Before Christmas. What's this? It's a charming song. It's stunning visually. I think it's, yeah, that's a good pick. I stand by it. All out. Because it's not hot chocolate. It's not sung by raisins. It's not unrelated to Christmas. It kind of, it checks all the boxes. (laughs) So yeah, if you're listening to the radio this Christmas season, or you have a, a Christmas song playlist that you love, you'll probably encounter some or all of my songs, and If you really want to do some digging, you might encounter some of Connor's. Or if you watch those specific Christmas movies, you might run into them. You should definitely go check mine out. There's, uh, as I said, a lot of them are deep cuts, and if they're not deep cuts, tell me which one's your favorite. Yeah, I hope that you listened to this episode and remembered some songs from the Christmas season, and I hope you learned a little bit more about them. I know I did. I got a lot more trivia knowledge after researching for this episode. And we hope you have... A happy holiday, a Merry Christmas, all the all the holidays, whatever you celebrate. And this concludes our special series, our Spinter Wonderland episodes. We'll be going back to normal next week for the start of the new year. Ooh. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to these special holiday episodes. I know we've done some really cool stuff in them and it's been really exciting actually i've had a good time with the spinter wonderland i've enjoyed them so anyway you can check out our socials at spin it pod on twitter at spin it pod official on instagram find us on the web www.spinitpod.com find us under your tree find us on your iphones your android devices on your youtube playlist anywhere you get podcasts and have a happy holidays and most importantly keep, keep spinning, spinning. Oh, oh, oh. yep 
hell was. It's a Christmas episode. Now I'm going to go to sleep so that Santa gets here quicker.